A lot of you know our story. Uh, I wasn't a pastor my whole life. I was in business for 16 years, and then God called us out of that. And just a little bit after uh, God called us into full-time ministry here at Living Spring, our son began staring off into the distance uh, at weird times. Just, uh, you know, you, you know, kids do that anyway because, but anyway, um, but so we, at first we thought he wasn't paying attention to us and we're like, hey, snap out of it. Come on, I'm talking to you, pay attention. And uh, then it started happening uh, like during a soccer game, you know, he'd be running and then he'd just kind of stop and, and stare and uh, he was eight years old and so we took him to, uh, to the doctor, and uh, we were, uh, I had a different insurance plan, because I still, I still uh, had, my, I was on COBRA, so I still had my old works insurance, and so we take him to the doctor, and he gets an EEG uh, to check his brain, and it comes out fine, and everything was cool, okay, great, and so we take him back home, and this continues. Meanwhile, I switched plans over to Kaiser, whoever is here with Kaiser, if you're here, love you guys. Uh, this sermon brought to you by Kaiser. Thrive. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. Um, and uh, it has another EEG, and uh, I'm sitting in this little tiny chair, you know, because it's the kids' peats or whatever. And um, the neurologist comes, and he says, uh, your son has epilepsy. And... I'm like, I didn't know how to process that, um, and I didn't know what it even meant, really, because he wasn't really having seizures, but he, the, the neurologist told us that those were actually seizures. They're just, they're just not like what you would normally think of a seizure. And, and I remember he looked at me, and he said, um, this is going to last a long time, and he might not ever be cured of it. And I'm like, Oh, have a nice day. Okie doke. Uh, so we started this process of trying to treat him for this epilepsy, and uh, none of the medications were working. And so uh, the seizures began to change and not just be where he's staring off into the distance, uh, but he began uh, convulsing, having those types of seizures. And uh, so we're just in the process of trying to figure out what, what are we doing. We kept taking him to doctors and MRIs and MRIs and MRIs and fMRIs and all, all these different things. And nothing's stopping the seizures and they're getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Dark time in our life. <clears throat> uh, yeah, those, those weren't good days. And so... We had kind of given up hope, and then um, uh, Lisa started going down the, the road of brain surgery. We started talking about what, if we do brain surgery, and then we had all the unknowns of brain surgery, but we couldn't, we just assumed he was just going to have seizures the rest of his life. He's on medication. So we go through the whole, the, the whole surgery, uh, brain surgery path, and we're going, and we get all the way, and it looks like he's a candidate, and it looks like uh, that he might, it might be able to work, and um, they call us up, and they said, we got an opening, and then, do you want to take it? And man, just the weight of going, I'm saying yes to somebody cutting his head open, <laughs> essentially, 
And so we went through the brain surgery. We sat at the hospital for hours and hours and hours and hours waiting for him to come out. And he did. And, and uh, he, he, he hasn't had a seizure since. Now, he's on medication still. And, but there's no seizure anymore. And if I look back and I think to myself, what, what would I have changed? Would I, would I, after what we've learned and the relationship I have with my son, would I want, like, would I, would I want him not to have epilepsy? Of course I would. But I think the one thing that I, that I would have changed if I could go back was that I really, truly experienced what I'm going to try to show you this morning. That I really could just stop and listen. I could stop and experience what I'm hoping at the end of this morning, you will see from a young man who when you look at every part of his life, um, he was unfairly treated. That he, 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 through no fault of his own, was just placed in these different situations. And so, we're talking about a guy named Joseph. Joseph had a whole bunch of brothers. And his brothers were uh, from, his, his, his dad had many wives. So we'll call it a blended family, <laughs> okay? Uh, so he's got these brothers. He's from uh, his, his, um, uh, his dad's wife. And then he's got these other concubines just to populate uh, the household because you needed men to work and all, all this kind of stuff. And I'm not making excuses for him, okay, but this is what was going on. And so we catch up with Joseph when he's 17 years old. Joseph, <clears throat> a young man of 17, was tending the flocks. I need my glasses because I was going to read that wrong. Oh, all right, well. Joseph was a young, no, okay, I, I think I can do this, uh, was tending the flocks with his brothers, uh, the sons of Billa and the sons of Zilpah. I think there's some uh, in my bag uh, right next to my office, I mean right in, in the office. Do you need the keys? You got them? Let me tell you something, you guys. Our team is crack top notch. This is awesome. And also, uh, when you're teaching the Bible, reading is somewhat important. Okay, so uh, his father's wives, he brought their uh, father a bad report about him. So he is a tattletale. That's what Joseph is. And when you see this family, as a matter of fact, we're just going to touch on a few areas of his life. If you think your family's dysfunctional, read Joseph's family. They are the wackiest, weirdest group of people you'll ever read in the Bible. They are dysfunction with a capital D, okay? And so he brings them this, um, this bad report saying, ah, when they were tending the flock, they didn't do their job or whatever. They didn't treat the sheep right or whatever. So his, the, the brothers hated him. The Bible says that they couldn't say one good word about him, <laughs> like, you know how you, you know, it's like, well, he's got a nice personality. They couldn't say anything good, good about him. And so one day, they're out tending the flock, and uh, Joseph's dad gives him this, this, this really nice robe, okay? This really nice coat. Thank you, sir. You're a beautiful man. Um, and so just imagine uh, you have all these brothers, and your dad gives you an Armani suit, 
and you're just walking around in front of your brothers or whatever, and you're just looking all awesome. Okay, this is what he does. And his brothers hated it. And, they, and, it, was, and it, was, it was like brightly colored, so you could see it out of the corner of your eye. And you're just like, oh, God, there comes Joseph. I hate that dude. So he goes out to meet him. And while he's on, their, on his way, they see him off in the distance. And this wonderfully functional family, they decide to kill him. Okay? They're going to kill his brother. So by the time he gets up there, one of the people in the, uh, one of the brothers is like, man, we can't, we can't kill our brother. It's like, you think? Okay, good. Uh, let's just put him into a cistern. And so they put him into this, like, this well, and they wait for some people to come, and they sell him as a slave. They sell him off as a slave. So that's, that's uh, and then, this is uh, another problem with this dysfunctional family. They tell the dad, oh, yeah, he died. They take his multicolored coat, they dip it in blood from a lamb, and they say, ah, man, lo siento. He's gone. Now watch this. Listen, listen to this. Think about as a father. Now, he shouldn't be playing favorites anyway, but it's his favorite son. He recognized this coat. It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. And the father is just mired in this grief. And the sons don't do anything to comfort him. So he gets sold off as a slave. And he, there he is. He was at home just a little while ago. Doing well with his dad. They had lots of money. Everything was going fine. And then all of a sudden he finds himself as a slave. And here's the thing. I wish if I could go back, I would have understood in the core of who I am. And here's the thing that I hope when you leave this morning, you understand to the core of who you are, no matter what you are going through now, which might be way worse than what I had to go through and what Lisa had to go through in our family. I understand that. But if you can get this concept down, as a matter of fact, the concept's so clear, I don't even have anything to add to it or to say to it. I don't even have like something that rhymes that you can remember. But this is what we see with Joseph. At his house, everything's going good. Got a sweet looking robe. His parents love him. He's got lots of property. He's set for life. And now he's a slave The Lord was with Joseph. Oftentimes in our theology, we will pray for something. We'll pray for God to change a circumstance. And we should. And he tells us to. But when he does not, and when he seems to be silent or he seems to be absent, he is not. He is with you. You know, even if you don't believe he exists, <laughs> he is with you. And so the Lord is with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Now you think, oh good, if the Lord is with me, I'm going to prosper. You know, you could, you could maybe take that theology and run with it if you'd like. It's bad theology. It's not really in the Bible. But in the midst of Of him being a slave, he sensed and experienced the presence of God in the midst of his dire situation. 
He didn't do anything to deserve it. Now, he probably, he was probably a jerk to his brothers, but, you know, kids, you're not allowed to sell your sibling into slavery, even if they're uh, a jerk or pull the heads off of your Barbies or whatever. You can't, you're not allowed to do that, okay? And so he finds himself a slave. He's prospering as a slave, okay? So yes, it's not as bad as it could be, but he's still a slave. He's not at home. So that he prospered, he lived in the house uh, of his master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and he became his attendant. So now he goes from slave to attendant. Woohoo! Okay. But he's still not free. He's still in the situation that he's in. But we know that God is with him. So Potiphar, which is the, the master, puts him in charge of his household. And he entrusted to his care everything he owned. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. And I, I just like this verse. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. That is a dude right there. Okay? He's like, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. Don't mess with the food. I want steak on this date, sushi on this one. I want this. Yeah, so he, he, he made sure that he got his food, right? Now, the Bible goes into this. Now, Joseph was well built and handsome, okay? Kind of like, I don't know if there was a pastor like that. Well built and handsome. <laughs> and after a while, his master's wife took notice of him, uh, notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Now, what she means by come to bed with me, no, I'm just joking. Uh, you can figure that out. I thought you might want to know it. So here he is in the situation again, doing nothing. All he is, he's just cut. <laughs> that's, that's all. He's doing his job. He's successful. The master's like, yeah, whatever you need, man, just run the household. I, I don't care. And he hasn't done anything. And now this happens. And so he says, you can kind of get an idea of who Joseph is by how he responds to her. My master has withheld nothing from me except you. Because, by the way, you're his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against my master? Sin against his household. Sin against this situation. Sin against you. No. Here's what he says. How can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Because he sensed that God was with him. He had that relationship with Yahweh. As a matter of fact, God had gifted him with the ability, the gift of being able to interpret dreams. This is what got him in trouble in the first place. He had a dream and he went to his brother's. You know, sitting around the breakfast table. He's like, man, I had a weird dream last night. Um, basically, I'm going to end up ruling over you. Isn't that awesome? And they're just like, oh, I hate him and his robe. God. Right? And this happens twice. He has two dreams. And he says, he says uh, the reason there were two is because it's definitely going to happen. And they're like, oh. Right? So he, he can do that. So... Anyway, she keeps pressuring and pressuring and pressuring him. So finally, the, she, she, she grabs him and, and uh, tries to like force him. And he escapes and he runs naked out of the house. 
Okay? You guys need to read your Bible. There's just lots of great stuff in there. Okay? She screams. She calls in the attendant. She said, this Hebrew, uh, you know, he's try, trying to get, get after me and all this kind of stuff. And so here's what happens. Joseph hasn't done anything. He, he doesn't want to sin against God. He doesn't want to. He could, have, he could have figured out a way to make everybody happy, I'm sure. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison. Now, wait a minute. Because I was really sure that I had read just a few verses ago that the Lord was with Joseph. Didn't we read that? Well, I, if the Lord is with Joseph, how does he end up in prison when he hadn't done anything? Because God is with us through our trials. He's not with us as a vending machine to go to navigate our life through a life of comfort, you, there will be trials and tribulations. Jesus said it this way, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. Jesus says this, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so he ends up in prison where the, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, in this situation, and, and, and by the way, prison in this particular era of time was even worse than prison is now. I can't imagine. I would never want to end up in prison. But if I had to pick a prison, it would be current day prison, not this prison. While he was there in prison, pacing back and forth in his cell, Probably going, seriously? Like, okay, hold, rewind. I got this dream that I'm supposed to rule over my brothers. They put me in a cistern. Then I go and I become a slave. Eh, that was bad, but not, you know, then I kind of, you know, I worked my way up and I became an attendant. Yay. Right? And now I'm sitting in prison for nothing? While he was in prison, the Lord was with him. While you are going through what you are going through now, whatever that is, God is with you. If I could go back to the seizures, if I could go back to some very dark weeks, I wish I could have had this thought, and I, I, I did for many times, but not all the time, of just knowing, God, you are here. It's going to be okay. You can see me through anything. And so that's, that's uh, what he says. The Lord is with him. Now he showed him uh, kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Now, can you imagine if I told you about your life and I said, hey, at 17, you're gonna, your brothers are going to betray you and send you into slavery. And you're going to be wrongfully accused and you're going to be in prison. But here's the good news. You're going to find favor in the eyes of the warden. <laughs> He'd be like, yeah, no, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. I don't want to even know a warden, okay? Uh, and, but when God is with you, you can begin to go through life going, okay, this is the situation I'm in now. There's nothing I can do about it except understand that God is with me. Understand that he's, he's not going to leave me. He's not going to forsake me, even if the situation doesn't change. So the warden puts Joseph in charge of all those uh, held in prison. 
the promotion, I guess. And he was made responsible for uh, uh, all that was done there. Here we go again. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because what? The Lord was with Joseph. He gave him success in whatever he did. Now, again, we read that and we're like, woohoo. Well, it's success in prison, okay? So it's like the circumstance doesn't change, but as he understands God's presence with him, as he works, as the Bible says, as unto the Lord, as he begins to say, look, this is where I'm at. I'm going to serve God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength here. He begins to, to see that. Now, what ends up happening to Joseph was that he, he's in there and the cupbearer and the baker to the king get in trouble with the king. Okay? They, they either offend him or they don't bear cups well or bake well. Who knows? But they end up in prison and they each have a dream. And the warden says, oh, there's a guy in cell block H that uh, can, can interpret these dreams for you. And so he interprets the dreams and they have kind of a similar dream. And uh, he says to the baker, oh, I know what that dream means. Uh, you're going to be dead in three days. And, uh, and he says to the other one, you're going you're gonna to escape. And so th- that's exactly what happens. And so the, the cupbearer says, I'm not going to forget you, Joseph. I'm not going to forget this. Okay? The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Now, I cannot understand for the life of me that you have God Almighty who is with Joseph and likes Joseph. He could have easily woken up the cupbearer. It, it took two years before Joseph is let out of prison. He could have woken up the cupbearer, God, and gone, hey, remember? He said, you're going to remember Joseph, right? Oh, yeah, thanks. Oh, boy, what was that? That was weird. That, that's right, that guy Joseph. It's not until the king has a vision that Joseph is alerted, that the cupbearer remembers. So... He says, says, there's a Hebrew in cell block H who can interpret this stuff for you. And so Pharaoh says to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said that you, that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Now listen, this is Joseph's golden ticket out of his situation. This is his golden ticket. This is, this is when you go, you go, well, absolutely. As a matter of fact, if you let me out of prison, I will interpret that dream for you. Here's what he says. This gives you an idea of who Joseph is and his relationship with his heavenly father. Remember, he's in prison. I cannot do it, Joseph says. What? Don't say, you'd be telling him, don't say, don't say that. Don't say you can't do it. You're going to stay in prison. He says, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. See, Joseph was, had the ability that I wish I had at times going back that I want you to have to be able to disconnect his situation with how he views God. To be able to go, this is the situation I'm in. I'm going to serve God the best I can where I am now. 
I might not be in the job I want. I might not be at the school I want. I might not be in the relationship that I want. I might not be in the financial situation that I want. I might not uh, be in the city I want. I might not have the things that I want. But it doesn't matter because I know that God is with me. And he can see me through this situation. And so he, long story short, he ends up interpreting the dream. And then he does something ridiculously bold. Which you can do when you know that God is with you. Basically, Pharaoh is God. It's, it's, it's man's version of God. You would worship Pharaoh. They'd set up idols with Pharaoh. They'd, 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 uh, they'd make sacrifices to Pharaoh. He, he was God. And basically, if you offended Pharaoh, he'd just kill you. And so you just did whatever Pharaoh said. As a matter of fact, one of the lines you'll see in the Bible a lot is they'll say, Oh, king, live forever. Oh, Pharaoh, live forever. There's this, this idea that you realize that you one false move and you'd be in big trouble. And Joseph, one false move and he's either dead or he's going back to prison. But see, when you understand that God is with you and you understand that your circumstances don't... Uh, while they might be bad, they don't, aren't the things that dictate how your life is led. You can do stuff like this. He interprets the dream, and then he starts giving Pharaoh advice. Right? He's a prisoner. And he starts giving Pharaoh advice. So he says, and now, let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man, and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Now, I wonder if Joseph was like going... Now, let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man that can interpret dreams. I don't know. I don't know how he did it. Appoint commissioners. Take a fifth of the harvest because basically the dream was there's going to be a famine. Take a fifth of the harvest. Collect all the food. Hold the food. Use it later. He gives him that advice. Watch what he says. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh. And to all of his officials. So Pharaoh asked him, can we find anyone like this man? One in whom is the spirit of God. This man who is experiencing the presence and the fullness of his heavenly father. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, and this is a wacky turn of events. I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. From prisoner to prince (laughs) in one interpretation. Now, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service, the Pharaoh of the king of Egypt. 13 years. We picked up Joseph when he was 17. And now everything works out apparently and he's 13 years of his life. Wasted. But was it? What if he never became in charge of Egypt? What if he just, in his circumstances, experienced the presence and fullness of God? What if in the situation you're in now and you might be going through or situation that you know is coming up or whatever, if you could almost Last week we talked about renewing our minds. If you could almost renew your mind to think, okay, God, if you're not going to change the situation, 
would you just change my ability to experiencing you in it? I wish I had done that more. There were times I was successful at it, and Lisa certainly did a better job than I did. But can we do that? Even this week, as we go into our workplace, we go into school, as we go into our neighborhood, where we say things aren't working out the way we had planned, we just say, okay, God, if you're not going to change the situation, would you just change my heart? Let me see where you're next to me, that you are with me, that you'll never leave me. It's fascinating to me because, you know, everything has this happy ending in Genesis. But you go on and you read more about just how jacked up Joseph is as it relates to his brothers. That those family of origin issues followed Joseph even as he ruled. As a matter of fact, they, they came, they had to come to Egypt because there was a famine. And he recognized his brothers. And he at this point would have probably had a shaved head. He probably would have had uh, earrings. Things that you, would, you wouldn't have had uh, as, a, as a Hebrew. He probably didn't look anything like he did before. He had aged 13 years, okay? And so he tricks his brothers, he sends them back home, and he, he puts some of the king's um, utensils in their bag, and then has someone go catch them. And I mean, it's just this wacky thing. But the, the, the thing that just enamors me the most is how Exodus 1 starts. So you have this thing, he's in charge of Egypt, but what could possibly go wrong? And Exodus 1.8 says this, Then a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Joseph had already passed away by that time, but what if he hadn't? What if there arose a a pharaoh that knew not Joseph, and Joseph was sent back to prison? God would be with him. God would see him through it. God would have him serving in the capacity that he could serve in the situation that he's in. Deuteronomy 3, uh, 31.6 says this, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. He's talking about uh, the enemies. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. 